Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy HD, and welcome back to another episode of the Textual Talk. Uh, for those of you that are first time listeners, I am a cybersecurity professional, career coach, content creator, and a podcaster. Uh, today, we have with us none other than Miss Christy Kennebrew. She is a tech talent sourcer at Microsoft. And today, we'll be talking about her background, what made her get into recruiting and then sourcing, and also how to stand out on LinkedIn. So, if you're ready to learn how to take your career to the next level, then tune in. Also, if you're listening right now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please make sure you leave us a review and share it out if you found this podcast episode helpful. It truly helps us out when it comes to the podcast algorithm. All right, man, we we back in this thing, man. It's a Thursday afternoon. For those of y'all that don't know, I'm your host, HD, and this is another episode of the Textual Talk podcast where we give it to you about cybersecurity, tech news, career advice. Speaking of career advice, we got a we got a good one today, man. I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with Christy, but if you know this sound right here. Give me her, Christy. Okay, I got you. <laughs> then you know who we got on the podcast, man. Uh, she's dope. She has a big following on LinkedIn. She's always giving out free game, and um, she decided to come kick it with us this evening to give us some free game. So. Without further ado, let's bring on our guest. Hello. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? Thank you for having oh, me. Nah, man. This has been long overdue. I don't even know why I took this long to actually get you on here, but um, I got you. So while we letting everybody get in here, y'all know what to do, man. Hit the like button. For the YouTube algorithm and share it out because we're gonna be giving out the free game today. Um, so I met Christy, y'all. Like, so I'm, I'm trying to see if I if I give a brief round about. It was like, it was like sometime last year I seen you on LinkedIn and I reached out and then I know I got I tried to get like you know some referrals for some roles or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then after that we just like kind of talked like you know off and on for the most part just. How you doing? And, you know, yada, yada, yada. I see her make like a lot of good posts. So I always like share them, repost them like I do on like IG and TikTok. And um, we finally met at Afrotech last November. And so while we were at Afrotech, Christy was telling me about she, you know, is a, a, a chef, you know what I'm saying? Or a chef in her past life. So I'm put on the spot right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, we want to hear like what's her go-to dish? What's her signature dish that she likes to make? So in my past life, I was a foodie. Basically, I went around to different restaurants trying food, but I can't cook though. So that's but what can't you cook though? <laughs> um, well, my favorite thing to cook is wings. I be frying in the grease and battering up some chicken, and I can sauce them real good. I make this really good sauce called. So what uh, you're saying is you got to give me higher sauce. Yeah, give me higher crispy sauce. It's really good. We're gonna have to put that to the test whenever we we do one of these uh <laughs> these Dallas mixers uh that I want to put on eventually. But um, yeah, I know everybody been working today and they've been waiting all day to hear what we're gonna talk about. So for the audience that isn't familiar with you, can you kind of tell them you know a little bit about your backstory and who you are? Yes, of course. Um, in my nine to five, you guys may know me as. Um, Christy Kinnebrew, a technical sourcer at Microsoft, where I help um, engineers 
uh, what I help them do? Oh, I help <laughs> find engineering talent and bring it to the company. I put them through a one of a kind interview process and just tell them all about Microsoft so that they can accept that offer at the end. And in my five to nine, you may know me as Get Me Hired Christy, where I'm helping candidates find entry-level roles and roles where they can use their transferable skills. Um, and so that is a little bit about me. A lot of people don't know, but I'm originally from, I was born in Mississippi. I'm from Dallas, Texas, moved to Dallas when I was six. So I claim the D town, the triple D. Um, I went to college in Austin. I was in Austin for eight years, went to UT, hook them. <laughs> um, there I major in sports management. Now I know what you're thinking it has nothing to do with recruiting and it doesn't, but um, I ended up getting my first job out of college at Oracle selling cloud technology. <laughs> and then from there, <laughs> um, I just got tired of sales and was looking for something new. I saw a lot of people going over into recruiting and going into recruiting at Google on a contract. So I used my transferable skills <laughs> to get over. So Google on a contract was there for about a year and nine months, soaked up everything that I could learn about recruiting um, and then was able to go over and get my first full time recruiting role here at Microsoft. So that is a little bit about me and my background. That's what's up. I didn't know that, that um, I looked at like your profile and I was trying to say, man, what type of questions I'm going to find on here? I didn't know that you uh, originally had majored in sports management. Um, I guess yeah. process, I guess, about going into sports management, were you thinking about becoming an agent or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to work like in hospitality. So I thought I was going to go to UT, come back and like work for the Dallas Mavericks or the Dallas Cowboys with like big CEOs and sponsorships and things like that. Um, but I realized real quick, once I graduated from college, I was looking for some entry level roles and they weren't paying no money. So I was just like, I'm gonna have to find something else. And sales is paying that money. We was getting commission checks. <laughs> I, I, we're going to be touching that too. But since you spent so much time in Austin, so would you, <laughs> would you agree that Austin is like the white people's Atlanta? Um, I definitely agree. But the thing is, I miss Austin so much. One thing about Dallas, I think Dallas is home, but Dallas is bougie. One thing I love about Austin, as far as um, like a black female or a black person, you could freely and truthfully just be yourself. It's a very liberal city. And although there's not a lot of black people concentrated, they're spread out in different areas and usually like in the suburbs. Um you can truly and freely judge free, just be yourself um, as a black person. If you want to be quirky, weird, queer. Um, yeah. So that's what I miss. I about see Austin. it as a, I see it as like a, um, my first time I went to Austin was like 20, was it early, either 2019 or 2020. I think it's 20, either one of them times. But anyway, I mm-hmm. seen it as like a college town to me. I didn't, I was like, yeah, I was feeling like an old head at that time. I was like, hey, this ain't, this is. <laughs> It's now, like two sides to it. Yeah, I guess I because I didn't know where to go. Now I had a blast at Afrotech because I mean we was around us. That's what made yeah. the blast. Um that's not Austin. Afrotech is not Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not. I know it's not. I know it's not. And um that uh I like I said, I was telling people in my video, I said I thought I was young again. I stayed out to like 
three or four in the morning and had to get up the mm-hmm. next day. I was like, how did I do? I was like, bro, what am I doing? Um, but how was it? So I guess why didn't you? Let me see. I'm trying to say this. Two things. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess what didn't you? What did you like about tech sales? What didn't you like? about tech sales and could you see yourself going back to tech sales let's let's do that because i do push um course careers you know guys if you want to get into tech sales or you know it they got an account executive course now um check out course careers link is in my description and i'm gonna put the ticker up a little bit but for those that kind of may be interested in that um kind of briefly tell us i guess about like you know what you like what you didn't like and could mm-hmm. you ever see yourself doing it again yeah of course um one thing i wanted to Point out, it's, I wanted to send my thoughts and prayers out to my colleagues that were laid off today. I know there's a lot of job seekers out there. And speaking of this, you know, we may have to look at different industries. And you asked if I would go back. Absolutely. If I had to, <laughs> if I had to, um, it definitely wasn't my favorite. One thing I did like about it was um, it taught me everything. When I was in, when I was at Oracle, um, I started in like the sales program. So this was like the fresh out of college program. It was a cohort, cohort that hosted like, I don't know, it was maybe like 70, 80 of us all together. And we went through this learning program. So it taught me literally everything I knew about sales, which was a good baseline. Um, and so that's what I appreciate the most because that is what led me into everything else. And so I'm very thankful for that part. Um, I think some of the bigger things that I didn't like and that may be hard for some people was the cold calling. Yes, I like to talk, but trying to convince somebody to buy some type of technology um, that they maybe can get cheaper from somewhere else <laughs> um, is not my wasn't my favorite thing at all. But another thing I did like was those commission checks. So, you know, if tech sales is something that, you know, you can handle. It's a lot of money in the industry. And so, yes, if absolutely, if I had to go back, I will transfer those transferable skills back to um, tech sales where I first started. And I'll get on them phones, start calling. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I never seen myself as a, um, like I know a lot of times, from what I've seen in sales, like the stuff kind of sells itself. A lot of times, uh, especially if you got like a product that's like tried and, uh, you know, trustworthy. Like I know most of my sales guys, when I did used to like be in an office, they used to be in there playing ping pong or uh, <laughs> I used to work. Um, like, for example, I used to work in Frisco at Hall Park. So for those that's familiar with the area, that's right across from the uh, Dallas Cowboys training facility and the star. And uh, we used to just like kind of like walk to like one of my little go tos was the Frisco Bar and Grill, and they'd be in there eating, buying my food and <laughs> stuff like that, just on the corporate car. I'm like, I'm not mad at it because you know because of y'all is how I'm getting my bonus. So that's why I always respect the sales folks. Um, definitely respect. Yes, usually we have a, a quota as far as like calls that you have to make per day. I think we had to make fifty calls a day. Usually, if, once you do that. Um, send your emails out, send your LinkedIn messages out. It was pretty good. So it was a grind, but it was very one more so of like a lax after you finished doing what you, what you were supposed to do. Okay, bet. And uh, for those that's watching, if you have questions, ask them now and we will answer them towards the end. So, um, yeah, because I see y'all in here. You know, y'all ain't commenting in the chat. Y'all know, get my chat up so we can spread this message. But um. 
Christy, what made you want to pursue, I guess, use your transferable skills to get into recruiting? Like, uh, what made you want to do that? Um, first off, to be truthful and completely honest, I was trying to get up out of sales. I was at Oracle doing sales for two years, two and a half years. And it just came to the point where I was so tired and we were going through a lot of reorgs and I had to figure something out. Um, and so I saw a lot of people going over to Google on a contract that were in the same role as me, a business development consultant. And I always thought like, oh, they see sales on my resume. That's all I'm going to be able to do. And so when I saw other people going into recruiting, I, I decided to reach out. I did a bunch of coffee chats and I interviewed for a contracted role. I interviewed for Google one time, full time, didn't get it. And I interviewed for a contracted role maybe three or four times. And the fourth time um, was the time that I had got the contracting role. And so um, that was kind of my motivation for going into recruiting. But when I got there, I started to realize my passion. Like once I started doing the work and see and saw that, like, hey, I'm really good at this. And I need more people that look like me to come over here. <laughs> That's when it started, when I started to see like, okay, I'm doing this because I need to be a representative for the, a voice for the underrepresented. So the people that look like me, people that may not have access to these types of opportunities, don't know how to get anywhere because I didn't even know when I graduated college, even though I was in Austin, I didn't realize I could work at somewhere like Google or Microsoft or things like that. I didn't even apply to anything like that. I don't know because it, it wasn't anything I had access to or anyone told me about. So I made it my point and I made it my job to let other people know that jobs like this are out there. And when I was doing my job, when I was sourcing, I made sure to look and look for people like me. Um, and to coach them through the interview process um, so that they can land roles and work for places like Google and Microsoft as well. That's dope. I'm glad you spoke on one thing, and that's passion. A lot of times people I always try to tell people like in tech, oh, you ain't got to be passionate about it and all that. And uh, I just put a video out this week. It's been on the Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon, y'all know what to do. Um, talking about how like you know i was probably making the most i ever made but the job didn't make me happy mm. and you can only do that for so long until it started draining you and that's what started happening it started draining me so i knew what areas in like cybersecurity specifically that make me happy and that i wanted to go back into and so i'm glad that you touched on like hey once you got to doing source and recruiting that that's what you really feel like you know what I could do this for like 40, 50 years and never feel like I'm really doing it because I like doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's what people have to understand. Like, sure, you can get the money in the beginning, but sometimes it, I'll live, it, you still be miserable. That's why we see rich people miserable. So it's the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's legitimately the same thing. Um, so what does a recruiter, sourcer, what is like like a day to day um, or a typical day? Like what what are what are your roles and responsibilities? Yeah. So as a sourcer, um, usually we, it's interchangeable externally because a lot of people aren't too sure what a sourcer is. But my official title 
is a sourcer, technical sourcer. And what I do is I'm responsible for going out and finding the talent and bringing them into the interview process. So I am on LinkedIn all the time um, looking for new talent. Since I source for software engineers, I'm looking for software engineers, pretty junior, two plus years of experience. And, um, you know, reaching out to them with a very creative messaging and inviting them to come and chat with me. So we do the initial phone call and we just kind of go over the basics, the role, how the interview process works. And if everything sounds good, then we'll go on to the official interview process. One of the things that I really pride myself on is being able to do um, one of a kind interview prep. So all my candidates love doing interview prep with me because I make sure that they know everything and that they are ready to ace this interview. Right. And so um, that's one of my favorite parts of being a source is doing the interview prep. And I am very encouraging um, and a cheerleader for my candidate as they go through the interview process. Um, And usually what happens is there is a transition if the candidate receives an offer a transition from me to a recruiter that will go ahead and continue the process as far as offer, team matching, negotiation, all of that, all of those good things. Um, but if there is no offer, then I'm the one responsible for calling and letting the candidate know um, that they did not get the role, which I always try to make it very personal and call the candidate, letting them know um, and that we can try again, you know, after the cool off period. Um, because I'm all for multiple times. Again, I'm a voice for the underrepresented. So sometimes I know this is the first time um, that some people are taking um, a tech interview and it's tough and it can be intimidating. Um, but me as a source, it's my job to make that candidate comfortable and to make them um, be successful throughout the interview process as much as I can. So that's a little bit about my day to day. And um, shout out to you for that because hang on, because I've only ran into like a handful of recruiters sources um, that actually help you out during the process where like they really are trying to help you land this gig. They're being like communication is with you. Oh, hey, folks on this. Hey, this particular hiring manager, whatever they like, you know, follow up emails afterwards, um, ask these questions, all these different things like, you know, salutes to you uh, because it's been times where I haven't gotten that and I'm trying to ask questions because the hardest thing about interviewing is like, fam, I don't know what you're going to ask me. Mm-hmm. That's like the hardest, hardest part about it, right? And, now, and then combine that with trying to figure out am I going to be a good team fit with these guys? Like, it's, it's really a nerve-wracking process. And then, if it's name a company with a name, you get even more nervous. You're like, oh my gosh, this is this is this too much. So um people like you are definitely, you know, needed in the space. And um, especially for you saying like trying to look for the people that do not um uh, get a big shot like at a lot of these roles because that's what I was uh, I did a, I stitched the TikTok and I was t- this guy was talking about like black people being successful in cybersecurity and um I did this article like sometime last year about diversity in cybersecurity and how like we were at, I think, 7% of just cybersecurity. And let alone, I know our numbers are still in the single digits when it comes to just all type of tech roles in general. And I was saying in the video how like, hey, a lot of times for one, like you said, you didn't even think you could work at a certain place. I know for me, I didn't really apply everywhere either because I'm like, okay, I don't even really don't even know what I'm doing on how to. I'm just applying to apply. 
that I mean, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, even then, if you get somewhere nine times out of ten, you may not even see somebody else that looked like you on the team. Right. Especially somebody managing you or a director. Like, you know, that's one of the hardest things. Like you get somewhere and you never see anybody like you that's a director. So you kind of I know for me, when I see that, I was like, mm, I'm gonna see how this play out. Because yeah. there are differences and cultures and, and biases when it comes to leadership. And if they aren't aware of some of those things, it doesn't mar- uh, mesh well with certain demographics of, you know, employees. But that's dope. So let's get into, what's off like one of these, like, I guess right now, and at a high level, we'll say like, what are you most proud of when it comes to being uh, a sorcerer? I would have to say, let me tell you about one of my most proud moments that I had. I had a candidate reach back out to me um, to tell me, you know, thank you, Christy, for putting me through the interview process. This offer is the most going to be the most money that I've ever made. This is going to help me take care of my family. Like no one in my family has made this much money. And so I'm very appreciative. And so that makes me very proud when I hear things like that, because now not only am I helping my community to get through some of these interview processes, but it's deeper than that. We didn't grow up, you know, just having a lot of money. I I didn't grow up in my community, didn't grow up my area, didn't grow up just having a lot of money to take care of our family or, you know, sometimes just living paycheck to paycheck. So if anything makes me proud is being able to give people the opportunity to make the most money they have ever made in their lives or make the most money that anyone in their family has ever made, because I know that that's just going to keep going up and up. Um, Also, people getting the opportunity to have stock. I know whenever I first got stock and just like certain types of equity, I don't even know what it is because no one in my family has had that before. No one's able to teach me about it. Um, And so now that I see people that may ask me questions on, you know, how does this work? How does this work? And I'm just like, thankfully we have tools and resources that can teach us how to use this and to become better financially stable and to continue to build generational wealth. But as far as me being really proud about something is somebody getting that check. Hey, shout out to you because that's why like initially I want to do like man, got a grad, went to grad school and did went to UD and I want to be a manager at first, but then I realized hmm, I might not be as effective as helping as many people that way. And then you know, fast forward two years later, after that's when I had started like you know my consulting stuff, and that's one of the best things too. Like I had posted the screenshot of uh, one of the clients I helped, and he was saying how you know uh, I forgot what's the I, th- I think the percentage increase was like forty or fifty percent. I think of what he made in like six months. I think they went from like 45 K to like almost like 75 or whatever. But that, and then you in certain States, like he's in the South. So I think he's in Alabama. So the fact that I was able to help with that, like I tell people, a lot of people say, Hey, y'all can believe blind Twitter, whoever you want to, man, $75,000 is like life changing for like a lot of people. For sure. And especially when we talk about our community, when we know what those metrics are, like what the median uh, household income is, I always tell people all the time on the pod, I said, I don't even know if my parents probably made like 50K put together growing up. 
Yeah. Granted, I was in Louisiana and Shreveport, so couldn't really tell because stuff is kind of priced a little bit appropriately, but even still after that. So I always tell people, don't let these people have you fool. Um, and this might be something as a as a recruiter you may be keen on. Um, and this, is, this wasn't the questions I gave you, but I figured it'd be something easy to ask. So I'm, I have two stances on this, right? There are people who have a lot of experience in, some, in other places that have the transferable skills that can they can warrant a, a high you know, salary mm-hmm. in a tech role. Then there are people that don't have those transferable skills and they don't have any, really not a lot of experience or accomplishments under their belt, and they want to jump right into a high salary. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Because my thoughts are like, you know, Take what you can get. I mean, negotiate, but take what you can get in the beginning because you're trying to just build your experience up. Those other people who have, you know, certain level of experience, they may not get exactly what they're looking for, but they still probably get more than a person that doesn't necessarily have like a lot of experience. Um, have you ran across this with people that's maybe saying, oh, I went to this boot camp and now I'm trying to be like a software engineer, but, you know, their resume is kind of like, uh, and they're trying to like, man, I'm going to knock this, you know, stuff out the park. This is what I want to get. And then versus the people that got experience, have you ran into that? Um, yeah. So it's kind of it's just the same process. One thing I will say is make sure that you prepare really good for those interviews because a lot of things are going to be based off of the interviews that you do. So um, I would say, and it's a little difficult for me to speak because it's based off of when I look at the process, I'm looking at it from a software engineering point. Right. Um, And so a lot of those things are just based off of how good can you code? Right. But when we're thinking about other areas, um, getting into tech, maybe some of the non-technical areas, I would definitely say let's break in first. So let's break in first. Um, If you do have some type of transferable skills, you may not start off making six figures. I didn't start off making six figures when I got into um well, I started in tech sales, but even when I got into recruiting, I didn't start off making six figures, but I built my way up. Um, and so I would say be patient with it. Um, and there is opportunities for promotions that come really quick. I got my first promotion at Microsoft in seven months. So give yourself some time, give yourself some grace to kind of learn and get into the space. But let's break in first. Yeah, and I'm glad that you uh, said that because that's giving us a good chance and a way to segue into this question about like, what would be a reasonable uh, salary for an entry-level recruiter or sourcer? Yeah. Um, and I don't mind sharing my first salary coming in. I remind you, um, I was using my transferable skills. I had no recruiting experience. I was coming from sales, which were a lot of the, a lot of good transferable skills, being able to talk on the phone um, with customers, just like I talk on the phone with my candidates being able to achieve metrics, things like that. So when I first went over um, to Google on a contract, that's another thing too, to keep in mind, I was in a contracted role. And so it's a little different than uh, what you would receive working um, for the actual company. Um, but my they offered me $40 an hour um, originally for my contract at Google. And then I negotiated because that's what you're supposed to do. I asked for $43 an hour and they gave me $42 an hour. Damn. And so um, that equates to about $94,000, I want to say $93,000. Um, and so, yeah, I wasn't six figures just going in. 
Now, I will say the market is changing now. Um, salaries aren't for recruiting or sources aren't as high coming in anymore. Um, and there is a difference between agency recruiting and tech recruiting. I would say some of the agency um, sourcing recruiting roles may range from more like 75 to 85 um, for entry level. And then, you know, your tech salaries, I started off at 94, but I would say somewhere between 80, 90, 95. Okay, dope. And then the next question would be, so if somebody wanted to start off like and be a recruiter, like um, do they have to go to school or what type of skills do they need to learn to be able to like land like a, you know, their first, you know, recruiter role? Yeah. So I, I don't think that you need a degree to be in recruiting. Um, I actually came and learned a lot from when I was um, doing my contract at Google from people that did not have, um, any background or degrees. I don't have a background in recruiting. Um, I think some of the main skills is let's talk about customer service, something that you do in your, you know, your first job or your high school job, your retail job, being able to mm-hmm. talk to people. That's going to be the main thing. Being able to attract your customer or your candidate to come to you, especially if you're a sourcer. I have to be able to put myself out there, speak to the candidates and attract them to come and speak with me in, in, look at my company. And so that's one thing um, I would say is your customer service skills, being able to chat with people, talk with people, being able to achieve metrics. So being very just high driven. Um, oh, I'm going to hit these numbers. I'm going to do this in order to achieve this. So having that type of mindset. Um, but I don't think there's any true hard skills that you need to start off with. And then you just build on those and get better and better. <laughs> nope. I had I thought about a funny question when you was talking about the applicants stuff like that. Cause I wonder do recruiters like run into this and shout out to uh to Jermaine because he tells people this all the time, like, hey, don't shoot your shot on LinkedIn, right? You ever ran into like somebody who be like that's a person that you may be trying to uh get a job there, like they ever like shot their shot. Yeah, so not necessarily like with engineering, but there's some people that may want to work for Microsoft Mm -hmm. that may reach out to me. Um, And, you know, I I have a whole different view about shoot your shot on LinkedIn because I'm single. (laughs) And I know there's a lot of married people there, but I don't I don't take it personally. I'm just, you know. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, well, you know. Um, I'm able to help this way, but yeah. Yeah, there's some people that reach out that I guess should they, they shy. Wanna, but... You want to go to the movies? I be trying to get coffee and stuff. Uh, so I've had I have had like in person um, ads to have in person coffee chats. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. I mean, I mean, you still don't know people. It's still kind of <laughs> yeah, weird. It, it <laughs> I mean. Ha- I wonder how weird it is if somebody say, hey, we ain't got to go get coffee. Like, look, let's get a Zoom leak. I'll make my coffee. You make your coffee. And hey, we have coffee on Zoom or something. I think that's Yeah, cool. or they send you a gift card. I've gotten a gift card sent to me to get coffee for the coffee chat. Okay. I ain't <laughs> so. mad at it. <laughs> Sensational. But, um, okay, so that's dope. You you pretty much hit the you know nail on the head when it came to the money part and about the skills that will be needed when it comes to that. Um, so we'll talk about this, like 
coming from sales and then going into recruiting, what's kind of been like some of the biggest challenges you faced making that transition? Um, I haven't had just like a lot of challenges um, because it. I feel like sales have set me up to come into this into this area. Um, now there are some differences as far as like um, I'm not trying to hardcore sell to anyone. I'm also not um, not talking on the phone as much or calling companies trying to get through get past gatekeepers. Um, so I would say. It hasn't been like a lot of challenges. It's actually been really fun. And I've been super excited to just like be in something different. It's been three years now since I've transitioned out of sales and I couldn't be happier. Okay. And then this next one is what's the biggest misconception people have about recruiting and sourcing? Okay. So I think um, the conception is the first one I would like to talk about is that they are the same. Right. So um, recruiting and sourcing being the same thing is not the same. You know, like I've explained my role, I'm more so coming. I attract the talent. And then your recruiter, you have some recruiters that that do the closing part. So after I the after the candidate has received an offer, um, they may I may transition them over to a recruiter that will finish off the rest of the process. Or you have some full cycle recruiters that do everything. They do the sourcing. They do the, um, the interview process, the interview prep, all of that. And so my main responsibility is just attracting talent, getting them prepped up and ready to go through the interview process um, and also just building up a pipeline um, so that when roles kind of open up that. I have candidates ready to go. Another misconception I would say um, when it comes to LinkedIn is that recruiters do not have to respond back to you. Recruiters are not obligated to respond back to you. We don't even have to. We we don't even got to be on LinkedIn, to be honest. Like we don't have to use LinkedIn. LinkedIn does not have to be a part of our job. A lot of us use LinkedIn because it is very useful. Um, I know I I have a big network, so I find a lot of candidates from LinkedIn and I've I find it to be very useful personally, um, but we do not owe you a response every time. Now, me personally, I try to respond back because I am open and willing and present myself as someone that is willing to help. So I try to respond as much as possible. But sometimes I get messages that I can't, I can't respond to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up because now let's get into it because everybody came here to learn about LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know, because as crazy as this may sound, there's still some people who don't like have a LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, in short, LinkedIn to me is a social media networking platform for you to grow your network and also be able to uh, land jobs. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. And you can also now with the uh, inclusion of LinkedIn learning, you can learn different skills. Um, there are other things that, LinkedIn is probably doing because I mean they are part of you know Big M, but for the most part that's what it is. Uh, I was taught I was told about LinkedIn back in 2011, and so mm-hmm. I've had a profile probably about that long. However, it wasn't that good back then. I mean, it's had like mm-hmm. a little picture, and you know, one of our assignments was the professor got uh, the people in the classrooms to give each other's recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the I didn't really 
flipped the switch, um, no Drake until about 2018 when it came to really utilizing LinkedIn. And then two years after that, I really took it to the next level. I ain't no Christy, but you know, my, my page is <laughs> not a slouch. My page is not a slouch either. And it's really, I think for me, it's only just because I don't, I'm not consistent enough like with my uh, posts. Lately I have, they've been hidden. You but don't have to be it, consistent with posts. Well, not consistent. Let me like I so I've noticed from the uh those of you who have big platforms or bigger platforms on that is um it's more helpful than a lot of the stuff that I post. Like I do my helpful stuff and then people see it. But like if you like constantly providing like the helpful value, like people like react and like whatever. But also like recently, um, I finally went LinkedIn viral by saying, "Hey, you know, four days in office is not hybrid." That's the tweet. Ah, uh, man, you should have seen them comments. If I had time, <laughs> if I go, if I go find it while like I let her talk, like we can just laugh at it online. I had to block somebody because he he's very passive aggressive, and mm. instead of me acting like it's Twitter, I just decided to block Buddy. Mm. Yes, that was <laughs> that I I definitely don't think so. I used to post like a lot more often, but I've slowed down and I only post when I feel it in my heart to, that I need to say something. I need, the people need to hear this. And so um, I'll post them, <laughs> but I think the main thing that I've been doing is just kind of commenting, commenting for reach, trying to use my platform so that other people can see other job opportunities. Cause I think that that's really important right now. So that's kind of what's been helping me, but give me heart, Christy. Okay. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, been, been doing that and, just trying to do my best to make people aware. And that was one of the reasons why I started Give Me Hire Christy because a lot of people didn't have access to LinkedIn and I did it for access. Um, and so I brought those jobs over that I was seeing that I I didn't need because I'm, I am a recruiter and I have a role, but I, I'm connected with all of these other recruiters who are in my network sharing roles. So I was like, hey, why not put this on Instagram, put this on TikTok so that people could see it. But also we're getting to the point to where you just applying for the role isn't enough. So mm-hmm. need that LinkedIn now so that you could connect with that recruiter or that person that is hiring, that hiring manager um, and try to get your foot in the door that way. Because we need that little extra, extra step now. So I would suggest people. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look, I'm finna throw you one of the things that I, I I constantly tell people about, and you might have a different difference of opinion in this. Okay, but when you're looking for, well, we'll talk. We'll start it like this. Do you type in anything like in the quotation marks for aspiring when you're trying to like source for talent? No, that's what I figured. So let's talk about <laughs> what are you looking for when it comes to um, profiles, like what. How does like somebody take, you know, their profile from zero to hero when it comes to like LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a complete profile that highlights metrics, skills and accomplishments. That is going to be the main thing. Um, Something that we use um, is LinkedIn Recruiter. People may have heard of LinkedIn Recruiter. If you're a recruiter, you may have heard of LinkedIn Recruiter, Um, but it's the recruiter portion of LinkedIn. And we're able to search there um, different keywords that we're looking for to find profiles within LinkedIn. And so that's why it's super important for you to have your profile completely filled out um, to the T, but make sure also that it is filled out with some of those truthful skills. If you don't know how to code, don't put you know how to code in C, in C sharp. 
And I'm looking for somebody to color C-sharp, but I'll talk to you. You don't know how to color C-sharp. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm looking for just a complete profile. And um, I think, you know, some things to kind of put if you are looking to transition into a new role, then you could put something, you can put the actual role that you're looking to get into and maybe just put multiple roles. Or I always suggest my clients when I'm speaking with clients to put um, looking to transition to project manager um, as like your headline or something like that. So um, aspiring, maybe not so much, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have people that do that. And I was like, nobody's searching for that. Like the other Sunday ago, I was like, just put, like you said, put the titles and then make sure on your profile that you're exhibiting, like you're working towards those titles. Cause some people have given these people that are trying to break into these different roles, bad advice, trying to make them feel better saying, Oh, you're a fraud. You're not really a so-and-so it's a, it was a, a person who hadn't even been recruiting long enough, giving bad advice on Twitter one day. And I was like, mm. nah, I quoted her tweet and said, nah, I keep doing it. <laughs> Cause I'm mm. like, nah, they need to visibility regardless. If you know, they're right for the role. They might, that's a warm connection that they've built with their recruiter. And, they may know somebody. And this is also something, too, that um, I try to do most of the time mm-hmm. if I don't feel insulted by whatever the recruiter reached out to me about. Um, I tend to, like, they'll, they'll send me an email. I tend to probably say, you know, I'm not interested at this time. Or if I ask them a little bit about the role and I'm not interested, I say, you know, I may know some people in my network or whatever. So I just try to, hey, you know, if I can scratch your back, you scratch mine or whatever. Um, what do you feel about that? Like, kind of like, do we'll put it like this. What are your do's and don'ts when it comes to applicant or looking for a role communications on LinkedIn as far as, like you said earlier, hey, we ain't got to respond back to y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, what What do you say? Like, uh, like kind of like cover like, you know, how should they approach you or, you know, simple ways? Because uh, like, I tell people all the time, hey, like one guy showed me, he sent a recruiter a whole bunch of stuff trying to get a reply. I said, hey, yeah, she probably ain't <laughs> responding to that dog. Like, <laughs> Like, like getting to yeah. the point um, and tell her what you did. Just be nice about it. And, you know, she'll probably like respond or try a different way. Um, so, yeah. Like, what are your like your do's and don'ts when it comes to that? Because a lot of people still are not just leveraging what they have on LinkedIn. And I tell them this all the time. Like you said, it's not enough to apply. And for the people that's trying to break in, unfortunately, there are there have been. Now, granted, I want to also tell these people this. The layoffs that we've been seeing in bigger tech companies, these are not the only tech companies. Matter of fact, there are other companies that have tech roles that people aren't looking into that are, are hiring people. But I say to say this, you will be going up against some of these people for these future roles. So you don't have to figure out a way to at least get your name called to get screened. And some people aren't even getting that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to put the uh, floor on you or the light on you and let you go ahead and you know, break that down. Of course, of course. Um, first off, I just wanted to say that it's absolutely true. Um, there are other industries that are still hiring. I've been encouraging the clients that I speak with um, to look into retail. You know, you know, Nike's still hiring for tech roles, right? Um, our beauty industry, the beauty industry, uh, Mac, Sephora, they have project um, product managers, right, that you could work for. And also hospitality, restaurant industry. Um, they have technical talent sources in those spaces as well. So definitely something to look into. Um, when it comes to messaging, I want to start with the don'ts first, because I see a lot of those, um, especially when I have my messages open. 
Um, <laughs> so do not send me, um, hey, here's my resume. Do you have a job for me? Don't send me that. Um, I need I need more context. Who are you? You know, um, what is what is the role that you're looking for? Did you see something on on the career site that you want to apply for and you want more context for it? Maybe you want a direct contact for it. Send me that job ID. I just need a little bit more, um, a little bit more than that. So I've got that. And I've also gotten. um, Are you hiring? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how to like respond to that. You know, some messages that are uh, oh, also a don't, um, a long story, a book. Don't send me that. I can't. I I don't have the time to read it. I have a whole bunch of messages, and I just don't have the time to all go through it all the time. Now I've also gotten some messages. I may do a post. I did a post about how um, everything happens for a reason, and you know, I was rejected from this job, but. I end up getting this job. And so I'll get some long posts where people are just thanking me, telling me about their story. I'm like, okay, those are a little bit more sentimental. Um, and so, you know, that's fine. But if you're coming to me to get a get a job, I don't need three paragraphs. What I would love to see and what's easy to respond back to um, is being very concise. Um, tell me who you are, a little bit about your backstory, like what qualifies you for that role. Oh, I've I've been coding in C sharp for this long or, you know, whatever it is that qualifies you for that role. And then from there, hey, I actually was looking at this role. Um, Here's the link or the job ID. Um, Did you have time to chat? Did you have 15 minutes to chat? I would would love to talk more. Or did you have some time for me um, to tell you a little bit more about myself in detail? Now, those messages are good. Short, concise, maybe about this long. And that's it. Like, that's all we need. And so if I'm able to help you um, with a role that I have, then I'll help you. And I I might tell you like, oh, I'm looking for someone maybe that is a little bit more senior or I'm looking for this or looking for that. Um, Or I'm like, hey, I'm not the person for this role. But, um, you know, I see that you sent this job ID. I can see that the recruiter for this role is so and so. Try connecting with them on LinkedIn. Um, and sending them a message, just same message, and hopefully that will help. So if I'm not able to help you, I'm always willing and open to point you in the right direction. But the message has to be, it's got to be right. Yeah, I, I, you know, some people don't even know how to be polite about it. Like, at least you can say, hey, how you doing this morning? Like, how you doing today? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, short and sweet to the point. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a thing, and I talk about this in my ebook. A lot of people don't do this and this pisses me off and I'm going to ask you does, does this piss you off it's like they try to get noticed when somebody say hey you know I'm hiring for a role blah 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 either sometimes they'll put the email on there and sometimes they won't but these people just come in interested right mm-hmm. so mind you sometimes these roles I mean these posts would have like hundreds of comments and so mm-hmm. everybody's saying interested how do you think you're going to stand out from that whereas Maybe you go send them an email or an email and actually do what you did. Like I did that. Um, it's in my ebook, but years ago, where mm-hmm. I just, they said you know interested to send me an email, and I send them an email. Pretty much all the stuff that you said in a like concise uh, format, and then you know that ended up getting me an interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, that's I think that's one of the things right there is like execution. Like people just not paying attention. It's like mm-hmm. kind of what I what I tell people all the time about. Um, 
the good I mean it's trends are like it's not as much gatekeeping now as so many different learning platforms but when everybody's doing the same thing and you don't have the experience it's, it's hard to stand out so you have to figure out a way to stand out right right um so I don't see a problem with commenting um something like that underneath the post only because it does like when I post something like, hey, I'm looking for a software engineer, two plus years of experience and someone says interested or, hey, I'm interested, whatever they say, I'm going to go look at their profile. So even though they're not saying anything that's making them stand out, I'm going to look at their profile, doing a quick skim, seeing what the what the qualifications are. Um, and if they meet the qualifications, then I'll run with them. If they don't, then, you know, then they don't. But they that in addition to them sending an in mail will be great. Um, that's one of the tips that I get get, and we want to really talk about making yourself stand out, being able to comment underneath these posts um, so that people can see you. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to see the comment. I'm going to click on a profile. I'm going to look. If it's a fit, it's a fit. If it's not, then it's not, you know. And so um, maybe a little bit more than interested or maybe type something out. That's or, why I'm, I'm just like, you know. Hey, yeah. Like, um, funny that you say about profiles, right? And uh, coming from a recruiter, and I know you probably don't have no bias in this because, you know, you're a black woman because it's so different for you. Um, there's this thing that people talk about, right? You know, picture, no picture on LinkedIn. And they kind of judge, you know, um, how many times they get approached by recruiters or anything. If they take their picture off versus when they have it. You know, what are your, your thoughts on that? Um, I absolutely think you should have a picture up. I think it makes the profile um, again. I need the profile to be complete and I can see. So if you maybe w- didn't have your profile picture showing for security reasons, like you don't want to be, uh, you can only see it if you're connected with someone. That's totally fine. Um, but I absolutely think that you should have a profile picture up and um, it should be a very something that approaches um, appeals us to your profile. Right. Yeah. I tell people like sometimes people think they need to have like a professional picture, you know, Hey, I was trying to get out of them here. Shout out to Afrotech, but I was like, I'm like, truth be told, you just get an iPhone and get like on a, a neutral color or something like that and just take a selfie. But it looked yeah. decent. And, and just have that as your profile. Just do your hair. And I put my phone up on my thing and I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. It is, um, just has to be something professional and, um, sorry, not professional but just like not revealing or anything like that um and just a headshot something that we can be doing the most with their profiles (laughs) what about um like because like this is some of the advice i got early on like what about um is it a a added little cherry on top when they got like a good little banner on their on their page yeah so i was always taught and told um So it's different. So I feel like when you start working for a company, I have Microsoft up just because, you know, I'm trying to attract talent to the company. But I've always been told to have something unique about yourself um, in the banner picture. So um, before that, I had Dallas up. Right. I had the Dallas skyline up because that's what I had unique and special to me or some people may have themselves hiking. There's something unique and special to them. So um, something that shows a little bit of personality if you're not currently at a job or if you don't want to, like, showcase your job on your background. Dope, dope. Um, 
I uh, also funny. wanted to talk about um, being sensitive to recruiters as well. I know we, we talked about messaging, but I wanted to tell you all about the story where I got where um, Microsoft went through their first round of layoffs um, in January. And someone sent me a message and was telling me, um, hey, you know, um, can you get me connected with a recruiter for a software engineering role? And so I immediately responded because it was a rough day. Literally, we were sitting there staring at our computers, you know, waiting to see if we were going to get an email. Um, And I responded to the candidate and let them know, like, hey, you know, unfortunately, Microsoft is actively doing layoffs right now. Um, You know, can we chat later? And he sends me a message with the link to the job and was like, oh, hey, can can you connect me? And. I had to block that candidate. <laughs> like I had to block that candidate. I'm like, I understand that there are a lot of people, a lot of job seekers out there that are looking for jobs right now. Um, but you have to be respectful when it comes to sensitive situations like that. What was wrong with sending me the message the next day or, you know, within two days Um after, especially if you're seeing all of this on your timeline. And I know some people may be numb to it because they've like, they've been out of a job for a while um, and they're actively looking as well. But I'm just like, we have to be sensitive to what recruiters are going through, especially recruiters because the talent acquisition space has been getting eaten up when it comes to these layoffs. We're usually some of the first um, to be laid off. And so, or to be considered for layoffs when it comes to that, because if there is no hiring, there are no recruiters. There's no need for recruiters. So um, as you're reaching out and if you see that a company is facing a layoff, um, I will say just be very sensitive um, to that recruiter and maybe not expect just a quick response. Or if someone tells you they're actively going through it right now to maybe just chill out for a little bit. Yeah, funny that you said that because I actually, um, <laughs> after I finished my interview last year with Microsoft, that I didn't get selected for. But anyway, still a good experience overall. Another, I was working with another uh, recruiter, and it was like before I accepted a, another offer. But I had ended up, I had a friend that does a similar role for another big tech company. For something that they was kind of looking for, like think they was looking at me for, and I was like, "Nah, I've been down this road before. This is not for me." And I had kind of connected them to, and unfortunately, they were a person that was affected by the layoffs. And I was like, "Dang, man!" Mm-hmm. I just was like, you know, trying to help the company out and that person, like getting them a solid lead. You mm-hmm. know, I know a person that'd be a good hire. So it's definitely right. It's like, um, people do need to be a little bit more conscientious when they're reaching out uh, because I, I think I made a post about that too. It's like. If they're always the first people to go, then how will you like find this talent? Like, um, you know, I definitely don't really like that. Oh man, we may I need to get some music like Joe Budden got. We made we made the the podcast be a little sad a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and I, I I had something in my mind that I, that I was going to ask you uh, relative about uh, LinkedIn profiles. Mm-hmm. I know one thing I was going to ask you. Yeah. And oh, so it's, we'll go back to the pictures. The reason why I tell people they need a picture is, like you said, kind of know who the person is, how they look. And over the last three years, there's been a rise of people taking doing interviews 
as that person. Mm-hmm. So companies are kind of leery of that now. Like, hey, if I don't know how you look and you never on camera nothing like that, I'm probably not like going to offer you or even like fool with you for that fact right there. I've seen it happen in a couple of companies. Company, I I think I was on leave one time. My old manager was like, yeah, we have to let this dude go because he wasn't the person that interviewed. Mm. And that's that's one of those things that, um, that I'm seeing. And one of the things that I, I preach too about profiles now, and you can tell me, like I said, um, people want to get noticed, right? Yeah. And they want to, you know, hopefully a recruiter sees them. So I always tell people, all right, if you're trying to go over here, try to at least get you about 500 connections with those people in the industry you're looking to get into. Um, comment a lot, especially on uh, uh, feather uh, rufflers and everything else. Like comment, put some, put a, a nice thought-provoking comment on it. You never know who's going to like it, who's going to follow you from there. Like just engage. Like that's one of the ways where I tell people is like how to, how to grow yourself and have um, organic like network on there. What else would you add to that simple yet effective strategy? Yeah. Um, I think you, you covered it. Being able to just be sure to comment, um, comment on some of the, if someone's hiring for a job that you're interested in, I would also say a good connection strategy whenever you are first starting off your profile, you're trying to get to that, those 500 connections is connect with people that are in the roles that you want to be in, that are in the roles that your dream job, um, those people that are in those roles. And I would also say, let's take it a step further. Let's ask for coffee chats with those people. Because one thing that I've learned and one thing that I did whenever I was looking to transition over into recruiting from Google, I talked to every person that had did the same role that I did that was in recruiting. And I, as I was talking to them, learning about their journey and their strategies, I was picking up keywords that would help me during the interview process. Like, oh, so this part of our old job helps with the new job. And so mm-hmm. that is some of the key things that I picked up. So I always feel like when you do a coffee chat, you sit there, you let that person talk and you pick up, you listen to key things. And if you do plenty of those with a bunch of project managers at Google, when it's time for you to do the interview, you'll know some of those keywords that you need to say as you're talking. Um, and so I would do that as you're starting to build your network up. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I just like the solid vibe. People ask me, hey, uh, I want to do this. What should I do? I say, well, I said, it's going to get repetitive, but <laughs> it's super simple yet effective. Find those people on LinkedIn. Because I had a guy I worked with before, but he wasn't a constant client of mine. And uh, he had made this broad uh, spread approach uh, on the post and saying, hey, I'm looking for people that's in networking and blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, why don't you just search for network engineers on LinkedIn and reach out to them that way versus trying to see who's going to see this post and respond back. Right. And take it a step further, like you said, is like you um, say, hey, what skills I need to learn in order to be able to land some of these roles? And if it's a company you're really interested in or they do similar things to the roles you've been seeing, they're going to give you solid enough advice to where you'll know exactly what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And eventually your time, will, your number will be called and you'll land something eventually if you do it that way because you're, you're getting it from the horse's mouth. You ain't... Yeah. Um, all these people who post these, oh, here are 50 platforms you can learn cybersecurity from. 
And that's an issue too that I have. I don't have an issue with the post per se. The mm-hmm. issue is when new people are trying to get into certain industries and you have uh, influencer like people that post so much different stuff, they're getting overwhelmed and they're not really learning what they should need to know because they're trying to dib and dab over here, over here, over here, and they don't know how to focus. So hey, if that's you and you're watching this right now, go ahead and book a consultation with me. Well, I'll help you focus. We'll get somebody over there to you. But that's one of the big issues that I'm seeing that they're having now because everybody's telling them everything about, oh, you should learn this, you should learn this. And then they show me what type of role they want to get. I'm like, mm, this don't line up with that. Mm-hmm. I was like, how many people have you talked to that's doing this role instead of like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, it'll be, I may just say somebody want to do compliance work. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm studying for this um, CH or whatever, right? Studying for the CEH, $500, $600 test, but hadn't really learned some of these frameworks you need to do a compliance role. I'm mm-hmm. like, learn the skills. The search come later. Yeah, I'll be sending but, people to you. Oh, yeah, I know, man. I'm working on my, um, I'm working on that referral. You, matter of fact, uh, shout out to Ashley. Ashley reached out to me. Uh, I think you sent her my way. And um, mm-hmm. I think I texted her back today. I got to see if she texted back. I'll be so yeah, busy. I went on my Chick-fil-A card. What's Chipotle? <laughs> you did tell me that you did tell me. <laughs> I got you I got I got a lot of people uh, yeah. um, but I think the last thing this kind of be a joke it kind of be funny but how and I want to and I guess maybe because I think everybody's people right everybody has biases how much stock do you put into candidates based on their presentation on webcam like when they're doing, when they're interviewing, right? Like how much stock goes in there? Like, I don't really care about, oh, where, like your background. Like if you got some, this mic or crap, like I got, like, I would just care. Like at least like you um, decided to go to a quiet place, probably be up against a wall. I don't care if you got a webcam or a camera like I got, but like have your hair brushed, comb, decent clothes. Like you ain't got to wear no suit. Like back in the day, see y'all lucky. Back in the day, I was wearing, I was wearing suits, and see, I had I had a combo. I had I had uh, two suits, and then I was I would there'd be different suits every time I wore a different tie, a different shirt with them. See what I'm saying? I was wearing suits to go get denied for these jobs. <laughs> I ain't got to do that no more, man. For real, man. I've been doing it for a long time. Like, um, but um, do you put stock into that? Like when when the applicant doesn't necessarily. Um, I wouldn't say okay. Let me rephrase it because this might sound better. Because somebody might say, "Oh, he's so judgy." He won't. <laughs> if they take the time, at least have like a, a decent area set up or have a quiet place that they can do. Do you value that as like, hey, they're trying to show that you know they value us meeting with them or meeting us? Do y'all value that? I don't want people to think I'm talking about. You know, you got to have a nice backdrop and all. So I'm talking about like the the value, like just taking pride in yourself and that, hey, you're going to potentially uh, interview with this company that may want to hire you. Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't look into it too much only because my interactions with the candidates is the first initial phone call Mm -hmm. and then the prep call. But when we're on the prep call, it's my responsibility to make sure that I tell the candidate, you know, how the interviews are going to be ran. And to go from there. And so I always say, you know, like, um, like you said, we don't wear suits anymore. So I was like, you know, you come very casual. I know when I went to one of my interviews, uh, when it, 
back when it was in person at Google, it was a, um, athletic leisure. And I asked one of my friends that worked there, I was like, hey, how does this look? And she was like, you're overdressed. Um, and so I had to change it up. So usually, you know, when you're interviewing, I was like, you know, just come very casual as if you were going to be working, um, not in an in your pajamas, but a nice mm-hmm. a collar shirt or just like a shirt that you have on. It's going to be fine. Again, these were software engineers. So they're a little bit, the personality of a software engineer is a little yeah. bit different than, um, than it, um, any other type of industry that someone is going into. But um, I think that it is my responsibility to, to, you know, let them know, like to talk through the problem, um, to make sure that you're in a quiet a quiet environment um, that you're focused and that you're able to hear that the interviewers can see you clearly. It is recommended that you have your camera on, even though it's not required, it's recommended um, and things like that. So yeah. um, and I, I think say, that those are all good points that you said. Um, but I also think we got to take into consideration that people are working from home, especially when you have mothers that may have kids in the background. Oh yeah. And Mine luckily being quiet right now. So I definitely, that's what I'm saying. I, I ain't worried about that because the kids going to be kids. I didn't, mm-hmm. I'd have been interviewing with, uh, with people before and, and they kid and walked in the room and say, Hey, no, I'm, I'm doing an interview right now. <laughs> so I, I definitely, I definitely know kids going to be kids, but I always tell people like, Hey, have your notebook and let them know that you got the notebook. Regardless if they ever see it again, it's just going to show that you came prepared. It's like the mm-hmm. little things. It's like, or, uh, to, go like, ahead. Wait. I'm sorry. No, nah, you go ahead. I was going to say one of my, when I interview or one of my biggest tips is I always bring a notebook. And when I'm going through the interview process, um, someone asks me a question. I'm like, Oh, okay. Thank you so much for that question. I'm just going to write my thoughts down. And I actually write stuff down. Let me jit, like jot down some stuff so that I can say it. I'm like, okay, this, this, and this, and I have it in order um, of what I was writing. Now don't take forever. Like but, this thing yeah. right here. I use to keep on on task, but I use it in interviews sometimes. Like if they ask mm-hmm. me some or diagramming something out, I know I can erase it and stuff like that, and I just mm-hmm. use it. So that's one of the things I do because it does help me out. So mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. And some I do that I'm probably not supposed to do, but helps. I have a program that like I can record like you know, my calls and stuff like that. So I do that because it helps me write. Like when I do, if I really do like them, I mm-hmm. write a good thank you uh, follow up. And it helps me remember like some key points they said. And I was, I was like, ooh, I'm touch on that, touch on that, touch on that. Mm-hmm. Send it back. Um, and listening to your interviews is crucial because a lot of times people think they're doing good in interviews. And this is including me. I've listened mm-hmm. to some of my recent interviews. I'm like last year when I started, I need to start my interview. I was like, yeah, I was shaky right there. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't as good. As, and I was like, that's sometimes the only way you're going to know how you're doing and that's why i also do do the interview prep with people because um it's like that good fine medium you know when you're interviewing like how long you take to answer a question versus like doing too much and not doing enough mm-hmm. and i try to help them with that medium you know even the simple ones that people get like hung up on like uh i'll tell you by yourself why you want to work here and i hate this I don't hate this question because I know how to answer it, but a lot of people don't when you say, oh, well, tell me about your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And I have I catch people uh, talking about their own internal weaknesses. I was like, no, directed to your weakness uh, that's related to the job. Saying, oh, well, the job says you need you know, five experience doing this, but I only have three experience doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, direct it that way. Be self-aware. Like, I, t- I always teach people about being self-aware. Um, and that's a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll be surprised who's not self-aware. 
I love that. I think the answer that I always give or tell people to give for um, biggest weakness is, oh, you know what? Sometimes I think I'm superwoman and I can do everything and I'm always taking on a lot of tasks. <laughs> and, you know, I think one thing that I can work on is kind of asking for help, asking for my partners and my people around me um, to pitch in because I'm not great at everything. Um, and I know other people have um, great achievements that they can help me with in this project. So. <laughs> right. And I just thought about, I forgot who taught us, told us this or some, it was hilarious though. Hey, when in doubt and y'all really just freeze up, man, just say it depends. <laughs> hey, it depends, man. And and if you can finesse that, they laugh enough. You might not get a job, but they're gonna remember you though it'd be funny. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the and that's the other thing, the the part that a lot of people don't focus on when it comes to interviews. Um, they'll be very sometimes people will be very solid and technical, but their fit is bad because they not aren't focused on the soft skill part of what they would need to do their role. And um, that's one part that always gets people sometimes too. It's like, you know, I've experienced, well, in my case, it was a different of saying, hey, you the best, you know, most qualified, but we're going to pass. That's some BS right there. But people do run into that sometimes and it sucks. But let's get into, let me see. We had a couple of questions in here. So let's get in these questions. All right. So this User not found says, do resume formats really matter all that much? I'll let I you go. So. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yes. Yeah, so there's certain resumes like um, you don't need your picture on there. You don't need a super right. colorful resume. Um, it doesn't have to have all the lines and squiggles. Um, it could just be what you think is very basic is, is very good, um, especially when it comes to coming through one of our systems. Um, and us looking at it and being able to read it, I think that that uh, it it doesn't have to be super fancy. Right. And I would agree on that, too. And I'll, actually, this wasn't a question, but since he asked this or he or she, I don't know what they are. Uh, don't want to offend anybody. Uh, but I hate and I don't hate because I'm not a recruiter. Right. But I'll, I'll give you my thought process behind this. A lot of people that do resumes, sometimes they try to focus so much on, oh, you need to do this so you can make it ATS friendly. Which Okay, fine. However, most of the time, recruiters still review your resume when you get denied. Right. So that's why I don't like that. Because that guy I blocked one time came to me with some advice I did not ask him for. <laughs> and um, I just ignored him then too. Mm-hmm. But... um. I focus on, hey, I know recruiters got six, seven, maybe eight seconds most of the time when they look at a resume. I need to add the thing short and concise and try to market this person's uh, best skill set to these recruiters. And that's what I focus on. I don't focus on, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this uh, tool and take all these keywords and put them in here. Now, I will do that um, if the person's skill set fits that because some people – throw the things in there, but they don't know how to do the stuff they got in their resume. Mm-hmm. And I'm big on that. I'm big on not embellishing to the sense where you just flat out lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because that make you look real bad. They might, you know, recruiters might decide, hey, they come across in here no more and don't know about you talk to these dudes because they be lying. I don't know what y'all process is, but I was like, <laughs> you better, like for me, even as being a decade in, I'll tell a, a recruiter or even when they first register me, you know, hey, this don't fit my skill set or I don't know how to do that. I'm honest. 
because they'll either say, okay, that's cool. That's fine. We can work with that. Versus now I didn't oversold myself and I'm, you know, I'm over mm-hmm. there. Uh, uh, I've been, I've oversold myself before. And mm-hmm. that's why I tell people don't do it. Like, just be honest. Somebody going to rock with your skill set. Yeah. And sometimes people aren't expecting you to know everything. We're not, we're looking for the best match as possible. Um, now, when you actually talking to a recruiter and they're trying to get you in front of the hiring manager, that may be a little bit different because the hiring manager may actually want that particular skill set. So be careful. Um, but being upfront and honest, I think that there's a position for everyone. Um, and you don't gotta if if you don't know how to do that just right now, you can always practice. Look it up, research mm-hmm. it. Um, you know. Again, doing those coffee chats and asking people that actually are working at, in that role, working on that product or that tool, um, how they use it or just listening to keywords and trying to figure it out. Um, but have some type of knowledge within that um, that area. Yeah, definitely. And um, another thing I always say to recruiters, because I think one of the issues that applicants have that aren't seasoned yet they don't really know how to navigate a job description, right? So a title may be one thing, but I'm reading it and it says something else. So that's when I'll say, what does the hiring manager really want? Mm. And they'll typically say, oh, well, they want this and this. I'm like, all right, cool, bet. Well, I'll be interested. If not, then I'll go on by my way because I'm like, mm, this is not, nah, y'all not going to play. And it's like three roles in one. Nope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something to be careful of. I think sometimes job descriptions could be really tricky. Um, that's why, you know, on the Get Me Hired Christie platform, one of the things that I go through, we go through the job description so that you can know that your transferable skills are real. Um, yeah. But they, you have to break them down and they're not always the best written type of job description. So you got to make sure that you're right. not going to be overworking yourself um, or, you know that you really understand what they're asking for. And sometimes it may take a phone call. It may take you talking to the recruiter uh, for that initial phone call to get more so of a breakdown of right. what the job really is. Oh, just maybe just think about something. Well, two things I'm going to tell the listeners. Hey, guys, y'all that's watching, you know, we will be bringing, I'm saying we like I'm going to be the one doing it, but we're going to bring Get Me Hired Christy to YouTube very soon. <laughs> Um, I've already sent her some videos of people doing exactly what she do. That's doing that's <laughs> a lot of views. I'm like, you already do this on TikTok. But number two is I just thought about something because some people still do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably more so with like some of the agencies or those contractors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're sending me your resume and then they'll start adding crap and, and changing your resume. Oh, Lord. Right. Yeah. Um, I've had that happen. I think um, one of the times that I was doing an interview for um, a contracted role for Google. The client is Google. Um, Mm -hmm. They like added some stuff in. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. I will tell you now, I don't do that. I don't add nothing to your resume. I might give you suggestions, um, you know, how to fix it up, but I'm not, I I hate resumes. I, I wanted to say this. I wanted to say something very controversial. And that is, I think LinkedIn profiles are more important than resumes. (laughs) You know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong in that assessment. Like my my basic advice for people is like, look, hey, what I'm going to put on this resume, we're going to put the same stuff you're going to put on your LinkedIn. That's how I I go about it, uh, to be honest. 
And me being a sorcerer, the first thing I look at is your LinkedIn. And then I ask for you to send your resume over, you know. So Mm -hmm. the way that I'm going to reach out to you is something that's going to qualify you from your LinkedIn. And your resume is just like, oh, okay, this is this matches up. Mm -hmm. So Robinson had a question right here. We kind of covered this a little bit earlier, but they want to know, can you talk more about conversation, how to negotiate? I guess this is a loaded question because we can't really tell you what you should ask for when negotiating compensation. Because that's really kind of based on an individual need Mm -hmm. and also knowing your leverage, your experience, how good is your interview, like you said, uh, the company. A lot of times now with this, what, salary pay transparency, which is hogwash when it comes to like New York and um, California. Mm -hmm. I seen then somebody posted the other day talking about some the salary is from fifty thousand to nine hundred ninety nine hundred thousand. <laughs> I've seen some wide ranges too, and it's just like go to Glassdoor, go to um, what is Blind, it? Fishbowl, levels to FYI, salary dot com. I try to tell people try to find five different sites and then average them out, like to at least know the average. So if they trying to offer you at least under the average, I'm like, nah, that's it. They tripping because what I've also seen with helping. Clients that are younger that don't typically have like uh, the experience. Like, I think one of my guys, he just got another uh, vulnerability management position and he is 20 or something like that. Companies do this little slick stuff where since you're so young or technically don't have experience, they don't want to pay you what they would pay somebody um, that has technically like more experience or not even much experience, but they're older and they've been through the things. They'll pay them at least average and they'll try to pay the person under average. And I don't like that. So I always tell them, all right, cool. This is what we're going to do. We're going to use this as a paid internship. We're going to get our bread. And within six months to a year, we're probably going to be gone because you'll go somewhere else that's going to actually pay you what you, you know, what you want versus trying to undercut me because you just feel like oh, I should be happy to get this much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really too sure about the the salary portion since I just bring the candidates in and that's why I choose the sourcing part, right? Because I don't want to argue about no money with no candidate because I wouldn't want to argue with me about my money. (laughs) So um, to the question, I would say um, always negotiate and it, it's, it depends. Yeah. I'll say always negotiate. And then in here, so this is not a hot take, but here is why, even though I tell somebody, oh, you don't need a degree to get into tech, or whatever. Here's where a degree can um, benefit you when it comes to negotiations. Because sometimes they'll assess what you're coming in as, like I already mentioned when you interview, but then look at, okay, they got some of these certs, they got this level of education, they've been doing it for X amount of years. Okay, this is what the, the peers in the role that they'll do make. And so you'll possibly be around this range a little bit more. They'll do that so because a lot of times they have to justify to HR why they want to pay you this much. So if you do have some of those credentials, it does help you out in negotiations. So that's why I do tell people you don't need a degree, but it can't hurt you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I think this that. one is for you. No degree, no problem. Um, is this correct position? Avelia, I think I don't Avela. I don't know. I don't want to butcher your name, but I'm hoping it's a, either Avelia. Does current position give you a work-life balance suitable for further skill growth? Oh, like, can I go to school and do my job? I, I don't know. I wish oh, I okay. go ahead. Because I'm kind of confused at it as well. 
far as like work-life balance and further skill growth? Okay. I, I can answer it the best way I can. And hopefully I, I get it right for you. Um, but yes, I have a lot of work-life balance. Um, uh, yeah, I do my work. <laughs> I do my work and then I log off. Um, there's not like a lot of outside or overtime that I have to do. And I don't put too much on myself. I do my projects. I try to be most efficient during the time that I mm-hmm. have for work. Um, and then, you know, I cut it short. And then I, I would say my opportunities for growth have been, you know, get me hired. Christy, if I wanted to take a class or, you know, go back to school, I could part time and do that. I feel like I have the a great work life balance somewhere I'm able to do that. But um, on my off time, I work on Give Me Hired Christy. I work on videos for you guys and um, trying to find different roles to keep keep you posted so that you guys could uh, stay good in the job market. Mm-hmm. We got another hot take for you right here. I'm ready. How do you how do y'all feel about Candace working more than one role remotely? I'm um, like, as long as it don't interfere with what you do. I don't really mm-hmm. care. Uh, I feel like you was going to say that. <laughs> um, this, this is me personally. This is not me talking on behalf of, you know, um, yeah. any company. I don't feel like you should be working multiple, multiple jobs. I feel like if you're going to work hard and you're going to come over to tech um, and really be invested and learn and grow, then I think you should have a good work-life balance do your work and go live your life instead of doing your work and then going to do some more work. Um, that's just me personally. I don't, I've always been this person to where I feel like as we're growing up, especially within the black community, we've seen people have multiple jobs back to back, making ends meet. Now that we've gotten to, we've gotten to this place to where, okay, we're starting to make a little money. Um, you know, we don't have to work two jobs, all of this stuff. Why you want to add another job on there? So I'll say from experience, if the other one, if it's low maintenance, like at a time I did this before and I think I still was working less than 40 combined with two. So I would say if it doesn't affect nothing, if it's low maintenance, you got an individual contributor, you don't have all these means, you're remote for both and you can handle it and you still have a work-life balance. It's cool. If you don't have much of a work-life balance and you're just doing it, hey, I want to pay off, you know, some debt and then stop. Cool. Do what you got to do to get ahead. You know. In this day and age, with how things looking, I'm not mad at it. Uh, companies go out and buy multiple companies, and they get their increase their revenue. But you know, if you like a consultant or something, you on multiple projects, but you're not getting multiple pay. So, like, I'm just for like doing what's best for you because of we've seen like we in the DFW area now. Houses are starting to come back down a little bit. They come back down because California came here and messed it up, and mm-hmm. people realize people that stayed here already was like, "Nah, we ain't gonna be finessed." So it's like nothing is going down but groceries. Like I said on that TikTok, oh, yeah. them groceries is what's really killing people. So um, I'm for it, but just do it in reason. Like don't go, if you got to go on a site, don't go on site and work your second job on site. Like somebody did that for, uh, what's the experience or something like that? Equifax, somebody got fired for doing that stupid mm-hmm. stuff. So please don't do that. Uh, and be careful. See. Make sure it's not a conflict of interest between the two jobs as well. And the worst are the, the best players. It's only cheating if you get caught. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, this Rose one for you. Says, How do you <laughs> land a sock analyst position at the college? Um, that's a loaded question. And 
Good thing you asked that. I recently did a presentation to the University of Dallas titled The Day in the Life of a Sock Analyst. And I do a presentation on pretty much like what a sock analyst is and whether they do with their day-to-day responsibility. So that'll give you an understanding of that. So go watch that presentation. And then I also have on my page uh, how to get into cybersecurity in 2023 with no experience presentation went down the list and kind of show you how to find the skills. Some of the things that me and her talked about today with LinkedIn, reaching out to people, having those chats, all that stuff is right there. So that'll help you out more than me just trying to give you a quick answer right now. And uh, it's plenty of stuff you can write down. And if you need any more help, just book with me. Let's see. Who is this? What are other skills to learn to take for a person who has the associate degree in cybersecurity going for the bachelor's? Um, I don't know because I don't know what you want to do. And so that's one of the things, my qualms that I do have with school is like the, the degree is like the umbrella, but people don't know what they want to do. They're just doing it because it has like cybersecurity or IT or whatever attached to it. So I would say explore what you like about cybersecurity and see what roles uh, match up with that first. And then that's how you figure out what skills you need to learn. If not, you will not know and you will be confused because you'll be like, man, I can't land nothing. And then you'll talk to me. I'm like, oh, well, you don't have this, this, and this. And and that's probably why. Can you review walk through a LinkedIn profile live? If so, can it be mine? <laughs> uh mm-hmm. If Kerwin Trim, if you are still on here now, put your link up. But we can do one. We'll actually have, well, ooh, perfect. This might be a good thing. We're going to have Christy review my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Let's see. Practice interviewing with someone that you don't know that well. Um, I haven't done that before, but I guess that can work because you know, when you're interviewing people, you don't know them. So, I, you know, I'm not mad at that. <laughs> he said, I've had a bunch of contract recruiters add five years of experience I didn't have. <laughs> and, <laughs> and look, a lot of um, a lot of companies now are um, doing like outsourcing, like them background checks. And sometimes they want to, like one time I had to print out like, oh, you was working here and here. Go get this from the work number or whatever they called it. Actually show I work these places. Like, so... You can sometimes skate around line until you can't. I might tell you a joke, but I, I never, never tell, tell you a, a lie. lie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Do you guys have any tips for building your LinkedIn platform for an SR, SDR or A role? Hey, um, yeah. click the link in my description and go ahead and join Course Careers. That's what I'm going to tell you on that one because that's <laughs> not my forte. Or um go check out take us a new black check out i'm just cyrus um that's what he does he knows about that or go to my guy antoine wade at black heights on youtube he he does that too you know check him out i have one too i was just oh yeah that you did do that my fault why why you let me me i'll go jump in for you before you ended it um i was gonna say uh make sure okay i got you (laughs) make sure you um Put metrics, show your metrics um, through your other roles that you have listed. If you're trying to get this role, it sounds like you're trying to get trying to get an um, SDR role. So metrics is going to be really important when it comes to those types of sales roles. So have those yeah. listed. And I'll say metrics is important for any role. That's how yeah. you want to show that you did some achievements. I tell anybody, I don't care what type of job it is. Like showing that stuff, so you stand out. 
numbers, percentages, all of that stuff underneath your profile is really good. I always put how many hires I had within that year um, so that people can see that. Oh, he said, I thought it was a question. Why do some people have jobs I'm interested in and low-key creep on their work history to see what path they took? Hey, free game. A study guide. And especially if you see somebody that has the same kind of background as you, coffee chat. So, remember, she was the one that asked about work-life balance, uh-huh. furthering growth. And so she said, I guess it meant her current position as a recruiter. I asked that when you were all talking about transferable skills um uh, her skills came from like another role Mm -hmm. i guess maybe i don't know she's saying does the job allow you to learn new skills to do something else gotcha so that's that's what i thought maybe i was getting from that maybe like you know career growth uh studying and training maybe 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 that's what she's referring to yeah, yeah. So there is a lot of resources within. Uh, if I do have a little bit of downtime, just um, I'm able to like take other courses. Um, like there's one course that people have been taking or I took uh, project management or program management. You could take a course over that. Um, and those things have kind of helped me to look into other areas if I were ever interested in looking into other areas. And also I work on different programs and projects throughout my job as well. So um, as I'm putting on events, trying to build a pipeline, I have to put together these projects to attract candidates to come and hear about, I put together a panel, right, for candidates to come and hear about um, a day in the life of, of a SWE at Microsoft. And so those are kind of projects and different programs that I put together that have helped me kind of grow my skills as a recruiter. So, Kerwin Trim says, what are some roles should a former junior incident manager look to pivot to? Um, check out my adventurous cybersecurity career uh, on LinkedIn. That's my LinkedIn learning course. Uh, I got a description on there. That possibly can help you figure out what you want to do. Because like I said, I don't know you guys, so I can't tell you what you should do. You might not like doing that. You might want to be more people facing or maybe you want to pivot to something else. So I guess that would depend on what you like to do. Any boot camps you recommend for software engineering, Christy? Uh, I can't recommend any, unfortunately. She doesn't have any she want to recommend, guys. Okay, so look, y'all that's still here. Shout out to y'all. If y'all still rocking with us, put a two in the chat. I'm going to go to my profile, and then we're going to actually look at it since we have a recruiter here. Okay. Here's a question for you real quick. Mm. Do you think you hire more candidates internally with the company or externally? Um, I'm a full external recruiter. Um, So with sourcing is usually all external. Like I'm looking for talent externally. Um, The only thing I would say that is slightly internal. I don't know if you guys have heard of Microsoft Leap program um, where you are like contracted working on Microsoft tools and products and stuff like that. Um, and so people from those programs I'm, I have worked with to bring into the company on full time. Um, but most of the candidates that I've worked with, if not all are external candidates and you have internal recruiters as well, but I'm not one of those. Dope. So let's see. Okay, perfect. All right. So, 
can you see? Or do I need to zoom in? Yeah. If All you, right, if so look, y'all. A little bit. Yeah, but if not, it's okay. Oh, Tell me when to stop. That's good. All right, so look, y'all. Y'all getting my LinkedIn profile <laughs> analyzed by uh, Microsoft Recruiter. And I'd like to also tell you guys, uh, don't follow what I do on my page because I do so many different things. That's the reason why my headings look like this. If I just was a job searcher, it wouldn't be like this. It would be more concise and streamlined to what I want to do. Mm. Yeah, don't follow mine either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So first thing I'm looking at, I'm looking at an an appealing, um, something that is attracting me to the profile is the picture. A nice smile. And then you have a decent background. That's something very unique. It tells about yourself and what you do personally. We love that. Um, For someone that is a job seeker, um, the difference that you would see on the headline or the heading is that you will have the title of the positions that you're looking that you're looking to get into. Right. Just the titles and maybe the little um, the slashes. But I think it's important. And I see this a lot when I'm talking to different clients and candidates. Mm-hmm. You have to narrow it down. You cannot have everything. I know you sometimes you may have a resume for program management. You may have a resume for cybersecurity. You may have a resume for recruiting. When we're on LinkedIn, we have to if we're going to pick two, it's got to be something similar around each other or we have mm-hmm. to try to focus on one because it's going to look just like a lot. And it's going to be hard to pull skills from your project management experience from uh, other jobs that you had and put them into the descriptions underneath each job. Um, so. Yes, I would say come up with something very creative. One thing that I was taught um, is something that is going to appeal a recruiter is is going to be the headlines. The first thing I'm going to see. So your title, maybe something creative um, or um, something that you do on the side or in your free time. Right. And I'll give these people uh, some context because they can't see everything because it's me looking at my profile. But what that pencil is on my banner actually says NIR. Technically, I can just move that so it'll just be lined up. But anyways, you're right. So when I wanted to pivot out of the the last kind of roles I did, I wanted to only get kind of approached for incident response or security operations lead or like level three roles. So that's why SOC lead is the very first uh, thing in the heading. And that's why most of the time I got reached out for roles like that because I had that in my profile. And that's also what my profile shows. Um, what do y'all think about people that have like a lot of um, connections? Does it matter to y'all? I don't think so. I think if you have a lot of connections, usually, um, or you mean followers or connections. So if you have your profile on a creative profile and you have a lot of followers, I mean, I think that's absolutely good because there's people that are following you that is willing to like look at your content that you're you're posting or the things that you're posting or some mm-hmm. of the things that you comment on. So that's really good. I don't think that that's a bad thing. And it also just makes your network, uh, makes you more marketable because we have layoffs all the time. And so you need yeah. to have a good network, but make sure you're, you know, speaking with your network as well, sending a message, asking how they're doing, um, telling them happy birthday. I tell everybody happy birthday. And then those usually spark conversations from there as well. 
Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love this part. This is my favorite part. So if y'all get a chance, go look at my features because my features is fire from all the posts. <laughs> I usually put yeah. my viral posts in the features area, but a lot of things that you've worked on or if you were um, on a panel of some sort, um, I have in there when I got my HR management certification, like those are really good things to put in your features. Um, brag about yourself. I think that's what LinkedIn is for. Hey, you got to. I love me some me. Yeah, I actually got to change some of mine because the one from last week, I need to put up there. It's a couple of them actually I need to put on here for the future. Yeah, I, I kept this up here for real because mm-hmm. um, uh, whoever that was, I was actually about SOC analysts. Like I direct people to this all the time. Like this, these questions I have for people that like some realistic scenarios that they will see in an interview because that's the hardest part. So, hey, man, how do I prepare for this stuff? Because I went in there for one thing and uh, it was something else. So a lot of times when I'm reviewing uh, people's LinkedIn's, I'll go see, okay, their activity. And, uh, you know, sometimes I say, oh, they haven't posted in a while. Mm -hmm. So I'll give them some homework, say, hey, let's try for like a post maybe a week or something. Just trying to build that muscle up of them posting. Mm -hmm. And then we'll say, okay, we'll go like for you know, whatever. Like, so do you rev- do you view like their post or do you just keep on scrolling down to their experience and whatever else? Mm-mm. No, usually I don't review the post. Okay. Um, this is actually, I got to change this, but because it's kind of out of date. Yeah. But what I would typically put right here, if I want to is, I can put my career achievements that I have right there. Or I can make it a, a section. Like on my resume, I don't have a, a summary. It just has my name and stuff, career achievements and Technical skills, then it goes down into like you know my roles I've had, mm-hmm. I've held. Um, I think mine has like what I recruit for. Also, the about section. If you're looking, like if you're trying to find a recruiter for a role, their about section most likely will have like what they're recruiting for and you yep. know what cities they're looking for and things like that. Glad you said that too, because when I show people to kind of find recruiters now, I say, hey, go visit their page first. And see if they recruit for what they're supposed to be recruiting to versus, you know, you just send them a cold email. Now, mm-hmm. I do that if I just can't find anybody. I also look for right. recruiters that are possibly smiling in their pictures that they might mm-hmm. be nice. Um, or if they're now, active. Right. Um, now, this hasn't been updated in a long time. I'm about time. to say, because I don't see no, uh, I need at least three bullet points underneath each one. Yeah, like this stuff is like, <laughs> oh, this stuff is from... Probably like five years ago. Like I hadn't put this okay. stuff on here. So if I want, like, this is not what what's on my resume currently. Mm-hmm. So, um, guys, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> like for example, this job, this job is not my resume. I only, I'm only been going back like five years because it's like my my yeah. experience is getting so extensive now. I don't want it to be longer than it has to be. Right. Uh, you think don't it want that. This company. Yeah. One or two pages. That's it. But I got this, my schooling, then I get into that. Then I get into like the skills portion. This is where I always tell people too, is like, hey, y'all want to do this job, but the skills that's on the job description ain't listed over here. Mm-hmm. And so I have some of them and I actually need to come back through and probably add some. And but- also this part is really important too, because as we're looking on our side of LinkedIn, we put in these keywords. And mm-hmm. if you have this on your profile, then you pop up. Yep. So this actually going to make me redo my, my thing. And okay, so let's talk about this, right? Okay. I don't know now for the recruiter standpoint, it might be uh, different, but maybe for me, if I was a hiring manager or hiring somebody, I would go because back in the day, people used to have in their resume references available upon request. Where with LinkedIn, like you said, 
with it really actually being better than a resume because digital resume, I'd say, hmm, did this person got any you know recommendations and who did they come from? And you look at the title. So like this is my old manager who's the director now of my old company. I got Dayspring. And you're looking at where they work at. Uh, let's see some other ones I got. But the fact is, these are accurate descriptions of me when people work with me or they either manage me. So I try to tell people don't sleep on recommendations. You just, no, you not at all. Know. Not at all. Especially if you have somebody, a manager, supervisor that you have a good relationship with and they're on LinkedIn. I think mm-hmm. they definitely think that you should ask for a recommendation if they're willing to send one. It, it does nothing but advance the profile. Um, if you're in plus, if you're going to be asking somebody for a recommendation, usually you had a good relationship with them anyway. So definitely I'm trying to see if I can find that post so we can laugh real quick. Cause I want your thoughts on it. <laughs> Uh, should be coming up. I ain't posted that much. Oh, this is the guy I was telling you about, though. Life after layoff. This dude right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I get tagged in a lot of stuff too. Also, guys, one of my clients did something that really helped him stand out when he started looking for jobs. He had made a video. I didn't tell him to do this. He made an about me video. So on his profile, it was a video about like why he chose to get into cybersecurity and some of his skill sets and all this other stuff. Now, I don't tell people that I always have to do that. But if you do, I don't see how it could hurt you. Um, and here's also an example, guys, since we're already on here, because I, I think I was talking to Bridgestone for a role last year. That's not a name you hear all the time. Somebody talking like a, t- a tech job. But these companies run on technology. <laughs> and, you know, they're trusted names. Like people have been using Bridgestone for years. So like, just expand your search, too, if you feel like you're not landing anything. Like really think about the the things in your house that you use or the stores you go to gas, you get all those type of things like those Exxon's and shells and all them. They, they hire tech people and they pay well too. Yeah. Um, this was the guy I was telling about the 20 year old with the offer. That's amazing. I think a lot of been using chat GPT to help me with my descriptions and my bios. Oh, here it is right here. So look, I said I finally, I finally feel like Christy. I didn't want a little viral. <laughs> so remember, like for example, so if you got a, if you had a post like this and you said you was hiring for a software engineer role and it got 150 comments that said interested, are you really gonna go to every person on their page? Yeah. You dedicated. You're a good. You're a good. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, that's the point of me making the post, right? So I'm going to go through and look at the people that said they're interested and see if they meet the requirements. It's quick, though. It's not well, I'm like, see, But I'm trying to see if 150 people all said it. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, well, no. I mean, other pe- people aren't. Pe- people are saying other things like, oh, hey, I have two year, two plus years of experience in this, this, and this. You know, I, I am interested mm-hmm. in this role. Can you take a look at my profile? Or please see my profile. Or, you know, they're they're not just saying interested. But there are tons of comments. I didn't went through more than 150. Right. Funny thing is, right. That's, that's how we find our candidates. And that's also how I find candidates that aren't. That's how you find your underrepresented group, you right? Like- candidates that aren't just going to pop up in the perfect search that you do when you're a recruiter. The perfect search is going to come up to the perfect people that have their perfect profiles and all this stuff. But, you know, you have people saying that they're interested, they may not have the perfect profile or, or uh, uh, whatever that's making them pop up in a search so that we can reach out to them. But they said they're interested. And I just so happened to look at their profile. I'm like, okay, well, we can work with this. Let's see, let's yeah. see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, what I want to talk about this post because I have a hot take and a little conspiracy theory here about some of these layoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, it was the great resignation over the like the last two years. Uh, so everybody was like re- resigning, quitting, going into tech. And a lot of people working remotely due to COVID and other things. I think a lot of these layoffs and some of these things are happening. One, because maybe hey, the economy is probably in a little bit of downturn. Um, but two, I think it's a way to kind of reel in some trying to take some of that power back from the employees to go back to the employers. So I make a little people more fearful and try to abide by what the company wants them to do so they don't lose their job. I think that's one of the things, the tactics that's trying to be employed. And that's not me trying to be insensitive as a person who's been laid off before, but I'm just trying to piece together everything about these companies that's did well for years. How could you all of a sudden in a two or three year time span decide to just mess up the money or whatever and decide to just, you know, lay people off um, like that. So that's kind of some of my thinking about it because sometimes you can't wrap your head around it. And sometimes it don't matter how good or bad of an employee you are. The good people are getting let go with the people who aren't doing nothing. (laughs) So that's kind of also why my method is like, hey, do what you got to do to survive. You got to work too. Hey, at least you you can't get, you might not get laid off on both. Maybe one, but not two. Mm -hmm. Um, I do see that whenever I'm like looking and posting some of the entry level roles or, you know, the roles where you can use your transferable skills I and, you know, they have the range or the pay range on there. A lot of the pay ranges are going down. And as you can mm-hmm. see, there's not a lot of fully remote roles anymore. Um, there's hybrid, there's on site. And it's really hard because I, I would pride myself on like, OK, I'm going to post all remote roles. That way I ain't got to worry about. Um, my audience that stays here, here, and here, they can work at this role. But now it's just like, as I'm looking and, and I'm getting the jobs ready to post, it's like they're starting to get um, very mm-hmm. tailored to location um, yep. and work on a hybrid role. And that's the benefit. Let me stop sharing real quick. And that's kind of like the benefit that helped people. Let's say, for instance, like over the last two years, if I was in um, my hometown of Shreveport, right? being able to work remote would have gave me access to a bunch of companies that I wouldn't have access to because I didn't stay mm-hmm. in Dallas at the time. Right. Now those people are probably not going to have access to some of these roles because they don't stay in the region. So they're getting X'd off just because of that. And mind you, some of these companies don't even need you to go in and do the role. They just want you to go. They they literally just want some people to go. And that's one of the sucky parts. Of, like for me, like I talked about my, my resignation videos, like, hey, my team is in Ohio. I was in Plano. None of them are there. Nobody mm-hmm. on my team is in Plano. So why am I, you know, had to be stuck in traffic and and go into mm-hmm. office for what? People in there coughing, seeing people not washing their hands. When hey, I could be more effective and have most of my work done once I just come into my office right here and do it. Mm-hmm. Like so, all those things. It's it's, it's it's a control thing, especially from the old companies, the old financial companies. They they are definitely leading the charge of saying, "Oh, remote work is bad," and mm-hmm. all these other things. Like we said, mind you, groceries still went up, gas still going up, all these things. So you want them to come in. You don't give some people a bonus. You don't give them a increase in compensation, but you want them to come in because the entitlement of saying, "Oh, you should just be happy to work here," is is what you know, it's given right now, you know, to use your phrase, that's what it's given. And um, that's going to, is this going to work or not? Like for me, I wouldn't mind if I had to go in the office, if it's 
you know, essential for what I had to do. But at the same time, based on what I do outside of work, mm-hmm. remote is the best option for me. Mm-hmm. I tell the young people, hey, if you can get your stripes first and, you know, do that hybrid role, right? You got to earn your stripes. A lot of people are trying to dictate, oh, I want to do remote, but they hadn't ain't got no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. When you become yeah. a hot commodity, you got you you got the leverage of saying, no, nah, I want to work remote. You don't mm-hmm. with the with not even a year in, you don't have that leverage. I definitely agree. Um, I hear a lot of people saying they want to work remote. And I think the biggest thing for me, granted, not re- hybrid or remote wasn't an option when I first transitioned into recruiting, but it was some of the I learned the most when I was able to walk over to someone and ask right. questions. And this different in this hybrid environment, I couldn't imagine being a new recruiter. Um being virtual, having to wait for someone to ping me back to ask questions and things like that. Um, so I do absolutely agree to earn your stripes and um, get out the house. I mean, one of the questions that you had on here for me to answer is like, how do you really, um, you know, be uh, impacting your community within your field, your area? Go outside, go into the office. And even if you are remote, I'm fully remote and I still go into the office uh, from time to time when there is an event because, there is so much stuff that you're going to learn just from being around people that you're not going to learn being, being in the house, being virtual, mm-hmm. being on the webcam. Um, when you get into the office, you hear things, you see things and it, it, there are different things that will benefit you. Um, and so don't be scared to start off, even if it's a hybrid role, yeah. to start off that way. Yeah, and one of the things I preach in my adventure cybersecurity career course is about visibility. So if you can get that visibility, that's one of those ways you can get promotions pretty fast as well if you become visible. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to everybody. Of, right. Uh, I ain't going to lie. I was, I've was i been miserable. I was I only talked about five people in the office um, <laughs> and, play, and playing all that chase. I ain't going to lie to you. You know, for, you seen it you seen in person that I don't really know them people. I barely talk to them. <laughs> that's I, I said, who you here with? The funny thing is the people I thought was going to hire me then, like I said, they had put that role on hold. Mm -hmm. And I just talked to that director like last night. He's super cool. I like people like that, like genuine people that reached back out. It was like, let me know personally, hey, the role about to open back up again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I held out for y'all as long as I could. I really did. (laughs) Um, But uh, I was going to say one of the other things companies do uh, that work remote is they'll probably have some like Slack or, or Teams. And have like a one specific chat that's just there just for people to mingle and talk all day, post memes, funny stuff, kind of just build their camaraderie. Some people on the team play video games, stuff together. So there are ways uh, you could do it or you could just build your network. Like for me, basically by doing this channel and this podcast, I have people that's like in the blue team now. Like if I need to hit them about, hey, how you work this detection or this? Are you seeing this in your environment? We can jump on the call and talk about it. And those are and those are one of the strengths that also that can help you when it comes to interviewing. It's like being able to figure some crap out. Like, hey, no, my, my network is deep. I'm just like the the big C level guys who are all friends do with each other. That's what we do when we need help and we need to figure something out. That's how we we spread the love. But man, it's the, I forgot it's still a weekday. I feel like a Friday, but it's Thursday. Um it's okay. Right. We're gonna uh we're gonna let Christy like give us like um Three things you probably want to want to leave the viewers with, uh, whether it's aspirations in life or yeah. getting a job or really much anything. Kind of like what's some words you want to, you know, part the guests with? 
Yeah. First off, I want to say transferable skills are real. I use my transferable skills um, to get into the role that I am today. And I couldn't be happier that I'm able to help people um, land their dream jobs. And so transferable skills are truly real. Um, Some of the things that I just have the goals for myself is to be able to help job seekers even more. Um, So being able to make more content um, to help you guys kind of get through the job process, get get through this rough point um, and be able to land you a job in tech. Um, If you follow me on, well, follow me on LinkedIn, also on Get Me Hired Christy on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. There's a link. And my bio and linked on LinkedIn um, that helps you build out your resume. So if you need help with resumes, resumes are something that I have a hard time with personally. So I really like this link um, um, in this tool to kind of help you build out your resume. So be sure to check that out. And also, I'm looking forward to just speaking more. I plan on learning as much as I can within my space. And being able to be an expert within this space and be able to talk and speak more um, on podcasts like this, meetings, interviews like this, so that more people, I can reach more people um, that need to hear that their transferable skills are real, that need to hear that, okay, uh, we have access now. Um, Come look at these jobs. You're able to get a job at Google. You're able to get an entry-level role at Microsoft. They're available to you. Um, And you don't have to go through the same barriers that I did as far as, oh, I didn't know about these jobs or I didn't even um, I didn't see anybody that looked like me in any of these roles. Um, It's not like that no more. It's not like that no more. Now, of course, we can always use more. But now we have access. You have people like me that's going to present those roles to you and help you get into those roles. So let's do it. Give me hired, Christy. Okay, I got you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah man um appreciate her for stopping through and i also want to appreciate y'all that's watching and those of y'all that'll be listening in the future um y'all have helped me get to ten thousand subs on the channel so um let me do this for y'all real quick <laughs> clapping for y'all for that um and also even on the podcast i think we're about to clips like twelve thousand downloads uh, let's get those downloads up to like a thousand a month. Um, so when you're listening to this, please make sure that you leave a review and uh, share it, especially if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really does help this podcast gain some more uh, visibility, especially like I run into like so many people who finally find a podcast like late and then they'll send me a message or something like that. They said, man, you don't know how much your podcast helped me. I learned like all these different things. So like she said, I'm just trying to, you know, increase my reach and just like help people out with like the free game. We've just gave y'all right here you know back in the day this would have been put behind a paywall you didn't know these things um so it's good as we had this spaces now where people can come on here talk about the career and how to navigate you know so you can avoid the pitfalls that uh we did but i really appreciate everybody i also got a giveaway coming out uh, pretty soon so make sure you follow me on linkedin i'm gonna announce how to enter the giveaway and um hopefully be able to give some good goodies to you guys but um Like I always say, man, until next time, let's stay textual and we out.